1: The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is building its do good village in Lando Lakes, Florida. It's the first of its kind—a community of 110 homes for the foundation's program recipients. So together, families can heal. So together, families can help one another. A special place where families know that their neighbors understand and care. Make the do good village the first of many. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at t2t.org. That's t the number two t.org.
0: What is going on, Belly Up Sports Fam? Mr. Shaka Cummings, my partner in crime, Mr. Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to F in Sport, the podcast with two teachers, great sports, biggest issues. Mr. Ainsworth. How are you doing on this fine Sunday, almost afternoon, sir?
1: <laughs> doing all right. One of the two people here has been a little under the weather, so we've been inside a lot of the weekend, but that's okay. It's good time to catch up on some reality TV and watch <laughs> sports late at night.
0: <laughs> how are you doing? Listen, send my best to Tug. I hope he starts feeling better. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I've been doing great. Uh, birthday party this weekend, got a fresh haircut. Like Life is really good. I'm going to talk about one of my gold stars, and you'll just see how good life really is. But Miss Ainsworth... I'm going to let you go ahead and jump into Gold Stars first. Considering I set records last week, we can we can let Mr. Ainsworth get in on this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't quite have the string of them, nor the steam <laughs> to get through a string of them in the same way. But my first Gold Star is actually what I'm just now seeing and handing out as we start the podcast. I'm handing to Bethany Cordell. Bethany Cordell is an associate AD at Montana State University. For working a football game nine months pregnant yesterday. Um, <laughs> picture is amazing. That picture incredible. is amazing. <laughs> and so shout out to her. That is not an easy thing to do. Frankly, I don't think either of those things are easy things to do. So that's two very difficult things. Gold star to Bethany Cordell.
0: Things that we would never do. I would never, <laughs> I would never be able to work in that condition. Shout out to her. Superwoman, man. My first gold star, Mr. Ainsworth, goes to the University of Kentucky. Women's volleyball <laughs> team. National champs. Big victory over who did we beat, Mr. Ainsworth? I can't remember. I can't recall. Oh, yeah, the University (laughs) of Texas. That's right. Texas has won a couple of national championships in volleyball. University of Kentucky has it. This is our first. This is also the first for the SEC. This is the only championship that the SEC competes in that they hadn't won until last night. Madison Lilly, the player of the year, Craig Skinner, coach of the year. We had everything going for us. We lost one match all year. It was to Florida. We came back the next day and swept them. This team was incredible. Shout out to all the Texans on the team too, Mr. Ainsworth. Like We got the Skinner sisters who their dad, Brian Skinner, you may remember, he played at Baylor and was in the NBA for quite some time. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal's daughter was on the University of Texas's team, which is awesome too. Shout out to uh, Stumler, to Curry, to the whole squad, because we are national champs. And Mr. Ainsworth, I'm telling you, man, the one positive thing about these COVID issues, all these girls can come back. Let's come back and do it again <laughs> next year. One more year. One more year. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, how about your next gold star, sir?
1: <laughs> My next gold star goes to Devonte Smith, who very publicly measured in at six foot, 166 pounds this week. I don't think I've been 166 <laughs> pounds and since like the seventh grade. But I will say <laughs> that the quote after is what gets the gold star. He said, he told Master Testafari from Bleacher Report, some people approach it as, oh, he's too little and it ain't so much I got to do. When I get out there, it's a whole different story i love the confidence mostly because <laughs> as someone much heavier than that i'm like oh man one of those hits would blow me in half and i'm like oh whoa he's gonna go do this at a lot lighter than i've been in a long time uh shout out to Devonte smith for self-confidence i guess that's what makes you a hype
0: and winner and a top 10 pick right no absolutely he's such a great player too size doesn't matter there mr ainsworth shout out gold star ufc 261 it was an awesome card five fight five finishes Although, there were some weird finishes in the non-title fights. Uh, Anthony Smith literally dead legs his opponent, so his opponent can't walk, so they have to stop the fight. Uh, which is one of those weird deals, Mr. Ainsworth, because you know, I imagine that we all have had that feeling of y- the circulation not reaching a limb. And then like 10 minutes later, the circulation comes back and you're fine. But in those 10 minutes, it feels weird. I saw that you posted about the Chris Weidman injury, which is nuts. Yeah, I really wish I had not seen that. <laughs> literally kicks uriah hall's leg and shatters his lower leg which uh uriah hall gets the win there but the title fights were awesome valentina shevchenko nicknamed the bullet just proved that she is literally the greatest woman's flyweight fighter on the planet it's not even close uh we have rose nama Yunus, thug rose nama Yunus. she has the best nickname maybe in all of mma <laughs> she she recaptures her strawweight championship and then kamara usman the nigerian nightmare Goes in against Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal is from Florida. The fight is in Florida. Oh, by the way, there were fans in the stands, and they were going crazy. They were going crazy for Masvidal. Masvidal is showing off a little bit. All of a sudden, Usman catches him with a right. That fight's over. Put his lights on. Out. So, shout out to the UFC for putting on a great card. All those finishes, it was awesome.
1: My last gold star is going to go to Zion Williamson slash Jumpman. So, Zion's sneakers started being officially advertised last week, and the first colorway of them dropped this week. But this gold star is actually for a very specific colorway that I dropped for a little while. He called it Noah after his younger brother because apparently, when you're a top tier athlete, you go around and get schmoozed <laughs> by all these sneaker companies. I would be open to being schmoozed, by the way, to any sneaker company during <laughs> this podcast. But they're out there getting schmoozed, and his younger brother, who is much younger than Zion, right? Zion is 19, and his younger brother, I think at the time, they said, is like five. They handle a pair of Air Jordan 1 Lows in all white and just say, hey, have fun with these kid." And the five year old just scribbles, All over them, just like, just crazy marker, just going nuts on all, every panel's a different color, dah, 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 right? Zion is incorporating a colorway of his shoe that comes out, again, a black and white version comes out this week. I think the Noah colorway comes out in a few. And on the Noah colorway, the entire back of the shoe is just colorful scribbles all over the back half of the shoe. And it's really, really cool to see him like tie it into the family like that. He has another colorway coming out that's tied to his mom being his middle school head coat when he went to the little public middle school there in town, Spartanburg, whatever that <laughs> he made famous, I should say. But Gold Star to Zion and them for keeping it so closely connected and tied. It's really cool to see these younger athletes find meaning in those kinds of things in ways that aren't just like team colors because like... They don't have to be team colors anymore. Also, double Goat Star. if In this commercial or this advertisement of sorts, Zion's wearing a robe. If you can get me that robe, we well, you get a whole other gold Star. Zion. That's what i got to say.
0: I love the fact that uh, in the Jordan 34s that he wears as well, he incorporated the Noah pattern, right? Because he's got scribbles on the ones that he traditionally wears, which is pretty cool as well. Uh, So, shout out Zion. Mr. Ainsworth, it's detention time. And (laughs) there's a recognition that this detention is coming from me, but in reality, it comes from both of us. Detention to the Las Vegas Raiders, specifically to Mark Davis. So, we understand that this week was an incredibly emotional week. We had the, uh, the Chauvin verdict that comes out. He's found guilty on three different counts. And I don't know why corporations always feel like they need to respond, but different entities respond the raiders response was to post a graphic that read i can breathe and have the date for 2021 this is why you need diversity in all aspects of your business because the moment a black person would have seen that they'd have been like dude you realize that this isn't connected like you're talking eric gardner you're not talking george floyd Like, this doesn't work. It's probably a 30-second conversation. Like, oh, yeah, okay, I can understand. And then we move on. But instead, Mark Davis decides that this has to go out. He gets criticism for it, says, hey, whoa, 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 I'm trying to be an ally and won't take it down and then says well it's not even in reference to eric garner it's actually in reference to a quote that was said by the floyd family by george floyd's brother and it's like if you're trying to be an ally how about you listen to the perspective from the people <laughs> with whom you're trying to ally yeah. yourself when they tell you this isn't it this don't work right just listen well and
1: I had a couple thoughts on that too. Like, one, how different is it if they just put quotation marks and apply the quote to the correct person, right? They just say, <laughs> if you had, like, how much different is that graphic that they posted the day? There are quotations and it's like, I don't remember his first name, unfortunately, but George Floyd's brother, right? Like, like, how different is that all of a sudden, if that's really what it was about? And second, I don't even know they necessarily don't have a diverse staff in their, like, marketing room. They clearly don't have a diverse staff high enough to say anything to, him right because he was very much this is my call my this my that and like i totally get it. if you're some you know summer intern starting summer early or if you're some person fresh out of college just working in the social media department or whatever who are you you're not gonna like you, you just got a job you're gonna tell the boss man that he can't do that like Listen, i we get bu- why we,
0: we built different because i would but that's <laughs> well, I- but you know what i also think that that's the different perspective too right like this is where maybe as a black man i would feel abundantly confident saying something like that's not it you understand that that's going to come across as more harmful than helpful and maybe there's that perspective i don't know
1: but i I would have said well what i will say certainly is that it also is an echo for like needing more diversity at the high ups and like whoa whoa, whoa, what are we doing here mark right like a (laughs) high up that could be like listen i know you got a bunch of kids in early 20s doing the social media and they're gonna do whatever you ask you can't do this right and i guess that's where i heard it was with people talking about the social media room and i was like those kids might have just got hired. Like, this is the NFL office. Like, the people, there needs diversity in the upper echelon rooms, too. <laughs> like, well,
0: listen, <laughs> like, listen, if he ran this by Josh Jacobs or any one of the numerous uh, right. black players on right. his team, they probably would have told him this ain't it as well. Like, that's, I mean, anyway, you're 100% right, Mr. Ainsworth, in everything that you're saying, in that maybe there were folks who are diverse but didn't feel like they had the authority. It's up to you, Mark Davis, if you truly are an ally, to do the work. Don't right. don't put out your black squares on social media months ago say that you're going to do the work then not do it then when you get called out and people trying to hold you accountable double down there's way too many issues there detention mark davis man
1: that's the l duncan quote right she said if you put out a black square last summer and you're sitting here after the trial is over and like either don't get the elation, or don't get the weird. It's like not quite happy. Not like if you still are like working to get it, and you put the black square out. Like, what are you? What have you done in the almost
0: a year in between? Right? El like, John said that I think on Sports Center. Wednesday afternoon. Listen, L. Duncan is smart. I didn't even know she said that. That was I thought that was a Mr. Cummings <laughs> original. There we go. Um, <laughs> well, I wouldn't say,
1: I wasn't trying to catch you on a plagiarism thing. I would just say no, it's that, interesting. No, that, that,
0: that's fine. Uh, who did I <laughs> detentioned uh, um, uh, Shannon Sharp last week, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Ainsworth, how about your next detention, sir? Yeah, on a, on a slightly
1: lighter note, mostly because it's like back to sports, my detention goes to Skip Bayless. I could detention Skip <laughs> Bayless every day. He can live but, in
0: detention. <laughs> (laughs)
1: yeah he really would i've chosen a long time ago to not follow skip bayless because i felt he entirely does these things to get the commentary i'm like well if i don't follow you you don't get that victory and satisfaction but someone else on my timeline retweeted this bit that he (laughs) went in all week about bill walton is ranked above steph curry on his whatever and he's really going in on that tape. to which i say go sit in detention and literally watch Two different screens of highlights. Like, just sit there and watch. Just sit there and watch about what you are saying. This is blasphemy. But again, I also think that like he's doing this just to get people the clicks, the likes, the watches, the whatever. And so I say, let's just stop. <laughs> like,
0: like, I, I say stop. I don't. He does not need my clicks and views. Listen, if people could stop, he wouldn't make the money that he makes. That's the problem. People can't stop. Um, I will say this. Bill Walton is incredibly underrated, but that's not the point. Like, that's not the perspective that he's taking. The perspective he's taking is that somehow he's better than Steph Curry, and that's not it. Um, Mr. Ainsworth, uh, my next attention, a little more lighthearted as well, goes to Tom Brady, who's literally going to throw his shoulder out on this reach. He, he's talking about the NFL numbering changes being a safety issue because now you can wear single digit numbers or I, I don't even know if they finalized this Mr. Ainsworth is this finalized I don't know but now you can wear single digit numbers you can wear different uh numbers than linebackers have traditionally worn and he's like oh man this is going to end up being some sort of an issue in terms of identifying who you're supposed to block on the offense and my thought is literally every level of football has had we had running backs who play defensive end and so they're right. 20 numbers, and then they go line up and play defensive end, and they're 20 numbers. We have linebackers who are offensive linemen. I totally have had a kid who was number 75 play middle linebacker because he was a center on offense, so he wore 75, and then went over and played middle linebacker. All your life you've been managing to do this, but all of a sudden we get to the NFL and we can't? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, so seriously, if you can't make this happen, you should not be playing in the league. That's my perspective on it.
1: He also is a quarterback that's benefited a lot from some great offensive line play. And frankly, when he doesn't have it, it's very obvious, right? Because he's not the most mobile of guys. And I find it a little insulting as an O-line guy that I'm not going to know what person I'm supposed to block because now they're in a single-digit number. Like, oh, man, I don't know who Jadavion Clowney is because now he <laughs> might be wearing number nine. Like, so, for real, we,
0: we watch video <laughs> like, and all we do is call them dudes out by the number. It's like, <laughs> like You know what I mean? Like, hey, hey, we got so to know where 33 is. We got to know where 33 is. We don't even call them by the name. Of course you're going to know the Anyway, Brady, right, like, how, how are you? Hey, how about you block the big
1: guy with the dreadlocks that knocked someone else's helmet off in college? Go block that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Might
0: might be a good idea. Might be a good idea. Um, (laughs) Friends, uh, we have an awesome podcast. We're going to talk European Super League soccer and comparing it to NCAA football. We're going to talk G League Ignite and whether or not this thing is even going to exist in a couple of years. Without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready to go, sir? Ready than you are, Shaka. All right, Mr.
1: Cummings, our first thesis this week combines two of the craziest fandoms that I've seen in the world. uh, We're going to look at NCAA football and European soccer, both of which are a chaos that I have to understand. (laughs) The thesis reads, it is only a matter of time until the power five in the NCAA football follow the
0: lead of European soccer. You hear that and you think what? Uh, that is an A+++++++. plus <laughs> Mr. Ainsworth, you read that thesis statement. How are you going to grade that one, sir? I am also very high. I think we're also looking at <laughs> A+. Plus, so. A couple of A pluses. Easy A's. Take our classes.
1: All right, Mr. Cummings. Now, we, I think, are going to say a lot of the same things. So we have the same grade. But I got to hear, why
0: would you give this such an A++++++++? plus <laughs> Don't you love it when I give 20 pluses? Let's start with Mr. Ainsworth, understanding all the pieces that go into this. So this week it came out that European football was going through some significant conversations in terms of changes to their play structure. So in Europe, you have lots of countries. Each country has its own soccer league, right? And so we know the Premier League. We know Serie A. We know La Liga because those are the top leagues, the Bundesliga in Germany, right? And so there's an understanding that all these different countries have their own leagues. And they play in another league that's called the Champions League. Literally all over Europe, you take the top teams and they go into this league. It's a very different structure from what we do in the United States. And so it might be confusing to non-soccer fans. That being said, what came out this week was that there's this idea kind of floating around about a European Super League. And so, the European Super League would work like this. You would have 12 of the top teams in Europe. Real Madrid, uh, FC Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham Hotspur, Liverpool, Juventus, Inter Milan, and AC Milan, who would join the Super League, with the idea being that the league would expand eventually to like 20 teams. These teams would essentially play each other for a champion now those teams would always be in the super league so they would always have the opportunity to play each other the champions league you have to earn your way into and i don't know mr ainsworth you may remember a few years back when it was a big deal that leicester city which was a premier league team won the premier league and so they made it into champions league and they came from kind of out of nowhere like no one was expecting that
1: and what I remember too, there's some aggregate way where like the EPL gets more teams than like insert obscure league in Northeastern Europe, right? No, absolutely. It's, and it, it's because they have more teams in the league, right? And so I remember once Leicester City got past that threshold, that was like, there was like videotapes of parties and pubs and people <laughs> going nuts. Like, it was like before they'd even won the league that they would later win, the city was already in a crazy party the whole time.
0: No, absolutely. Incidentally, when you talk about that, Mr. Ainsworth, that so reminds me of the BCS because really it's based on some sort of algorithm that most folks don't understand, a la the BCS and the selection (laughs) of playoff teams, right, once upon a time. So uh, that's that's the deal with the European Super League in terms of the structure. Fans were going nuts. And I understand, like, why UEFA, which is – that's the governing body for European soccer – FIFA is the international governing body for soccer. I understand why they were going nuts because this was happening outside of their purview. They weren't a part of these conversations. These teams were going rogue and doing this on their own. So they're looking at the dollars and cents side. Fans were going nuts because you have to earn your way into Champions League. You, you This relegation. And they're talking about basically these teams don't want to compete. And so fans were going crazy. And incidentally, there's this whole other piece of Mr. Ainsworth where a lot of these teams are owned by American sports owners, right? Like, they have different teams in the different leagues here in the U.S., and then they went and bought into these soccer leagues.
1: And fairly recent purchases, too. Recent being in the grand scheme of things, where, like, Americans have only owned Liverpool for so long, and Liverpool is this team that's been around the 7, 8, 9, 10 mark <laughs> for a while.
0: Absolutely. And so uh, you have all these pieces that are in play, and so eventually what ended up happening was that the Super League folks they, they backtracked they issued apologies they're like whoa whoa, whoa! we're not going to do this because of all of the pushback they were getting pushback from political leaders like marcon was speaking out on it the, the uh, prime minister in france like this is it was crazy how many folks were just like this is not okay and as they push back all these different teams begin pulling out and they begin apologizing and so I look at this, and it feels like a lot of comparison that can be made, Mr. Ainsworth, between UEFA, FIFA, and then looking at the NCAA, looking at the idea of the big teams kind of breaking away, and maybe the Power Five in college football breaking away. Uh, so so there's the context. We both went A+. plus, Mr. Ainsworth, talk to me a little bit about your thoughts and why you were so high on this thesis great yeah
1: i think one important thing to look at is that the big i don't want to say like the deciding factor and act like the masses of fans had nothing to do with it because like the, the chelsea stopped the bus thing was pretty incredible but i do think that it's worth pointing out that a big factor in what shut down super league so quickly in europe was fifa and uefa basically saying well then those players aren't eligible for the world cup they were going to take <laughs> it out on the players that are some of the best players in the world and impact all of these countries. And then the countries would riot, right? All of a sudden, like, <laughs> the country's best players were no longer eligible because they're on these top-dollar clubs that are being greedy and selfish. And for what it's worth, that will literally never happen in American football, right? Because <laughs> because there is no FIFA World Cup committee. There is no Olympic committee when it comes to American
0: football. It's well, just actually, something— It couldn't happen in the NCAAs because the NFL puts in place requirements that says— you essentially have to go do something else before you come to the NFL. Right. Like there's no other there's no alternative for football right. players. They must go to the NCAA. That's I mean, these Springleys were trying to sprout up and maybe create an alternative path. There just isn't one. So like you gotta kinda go and play at Florida State or whatever, right? Right. And and the other
1: thing is it's also the one that dominates the television. They've already worked out this quasi deal where it's a glorified and unpaid minor league, right? Because they played the day before. <laughs> Right. I mean, they play on Saturdays and like the NFL doesn't schedule games on Saturdays until their season is over because and I think that that all plays into the favor of the NCAA eventually moving to this model because the big argument out of those soccer clubs and the big argument that's going to get made eventually out of these power five schools are they are tired of sharing the money with the Leicester cities of the world or with the right with these smaller clubs that don't bring in the same revenue i mean as a dollars and cents thing that was above it in the billionaires heads right than necessarily winning and losing yes there's more money and winning so we're going to get in a league that we can't ever lose our way out of so we never lose that money but they also they don't have to then share with 18 other teams in small rural england right they don't have to do that anymore they only have to share their money with teams of their same size and space. Kind of like how if the Big 12, Big 10, ACC, Pac-12, SEC only shared money with one another, they no longer have to share money with the Coastal Carolinas of the world. Even <laughs> Coastal Carolina could have beaten several of them last year, right? Like, we saw that game. We saw them play. Coastal Carolina could play ball, but they would no longer have to share NCAA TV-type revenue with these five conferences. Now, it's a little different because in play football, each of these five power five conferences does have their own TV network. You even have individual school. I mean, obviously I'm a Texas guy that have their own TV network. Like there already is some of that money coming in and out. Right.
0: And we get that. Mr. Right. This is obviously a money grab. And when you think about American sports owners, right. You think about capitalism, you think about basically essentially American economic and business culture. What is happening with the European super league makes a ton of sense. That's American sport, right? If, if you look at the history of european soccer like the rebranding of the champions league just happened in the 1990s so like while all of these clubs have their histories that go back well over a century like the idea of the champions league the idea of even the premier league once upon a time it was just these teams that played each other in europe the idea of the premier league is even more of a recent phenomenon right what that feels like is all the realignment that happened more very recently In the Power Five, where now we're pulling in teams, and now we're essentially uh, trying to phase out different conferences. And now we got these super conferences. The SEC has 16 teams in or something ridiculous like that, right? Like, this is all so much a parallel to what's happening in college football. And, of course, the money grab is the parallel as well, right? The idea that when Alabama goes on television every week and generates the level of revenue they generate, why the heck do they have to share it with UAB? I understand those pieces and I understand that capitalistic notion. The, the way that fans were able to push back in the European Super League, like that's incredible to me. We as American fans never feel that empowered to do that. I remember when the Big 12 was disintegrating because Colorado was going to the Pac-12. Nebraska was going to the Big Ten. Texas A&M was going to the SEC and bringing Missouri with them. And you had Bill Stuff at Kansas basically begging on ESPN – Please, someone take us, to! Please, someone take us, to! We well, don't want to be stuck here. You know what I mean? Geographically,
1: too, Kansas, Kansas State being so far away, he was like, man, we're about to get left out of this. <laughs> and I will say the big deal there, I mean, you mentioned it, but Texas A&M going to the SEC really did almost collapse the Big 12. There was talk, and I don't, I'm don't, i not super connected, but I did go to high school with some boosters kids. There, there were talks with, like, conjoining with the Pac-12 and making a Pac-12 West and a Pac-12 East and having, like, a 20-team conference, right? Like, it already in some ways almost happened where you had four like regional based super conferences and it was split to state of texas in half because a&m is further east they would have gone to the sec and texas and baylor and those schools would have gone to the uh, pac-12 and the western side of things but i think the interesting thing here is that we keep talking about money for the top it also allows for this we know i mean they'd have to agree to not do it but then Instead of having the boosters paying behind closed doors, (laughs) if you break off in the NCAA, the NCAA is what keeps people from getting paid. No, absolutely.
0: It's the NCAA rules and regulations. If you have your own league, you make your own rules and regulations, right?
1: Completely. And so if these conferences were to pitch it like that, like, hey, we're going to work with a salary cap and our football team will have, you know... It'll still be too little money because I'd argue that professional athletes get too little money with salary caps. But <laughs> they break off and say, listen, we're going to break out of the NCAA and form this power super league and pay our kids. No one's going to argue with them. That's going to be the best. Like, no, like, who's going to say, it, like, well, I want my traditional Texas state versus Texas game every, like, no, you don't. No, you don't.
0: <laughs> well, and incidentally, like, this was all a part of the European super league as well. Like, the idea was that these initial uh, charter members, we're going to come into the Super League, essentially collect $400 million for joining the league, create a salary cap so that you you had a spending ceiling, and then go play each other, which means that the owners are going to collect more revenue once there's a cap. As soon as you create right. a cap situation, fans look at it, we're like, oh, every sport needs a cap because it helps competitive balance. No, the cap ain't competitive balance. The cap at is to help all. the owner keep cash. Like, the idea is, oh... We would spend more money, but they told us we can't. So now we, I guess we just got to keep the rest of yeah. it. Like, come on, man. Like Competitive
1: uh, balance in the I- NFL where the Patriots have how many Super Bowls? Competitive balance <laughs> in the in a NBA where the Lakers have how many champions? Like, come on. Like, like competitive balance. Okay. <laughs> Listen, and I'm
0: a Yankees fan. Screw competitive balance. Is that my fault my team has more money than your team? Like, and here's the thing. We have more money than every team, and we still don't win every year. So we know that money isn't the only factor in winning, right? Like, Oklahoma City just has a good organization, right? They're never gonna make right. as much money as the Knicks. But they're always <laughs> they're always gonna be better than the Knicks. The the whole concept here is just it's like taking American sports constructs, applying it to Europe, and Europe being like, nah. That was awesome I, to see to see how they push back. That'll never happen in I the thought United it States. That was
1: so funny though, Shaka, when you saw these fans being interviewed at the, at the rallies, like the Chelsea stop the bus rally, where fans literally got in the way of the bus going from the team hotel to the game. They stopped the bus from moving in protest. They were interviewing people, and they were like, "I just can't believe these clubs would be all about the money and like be afraid of being relegated. if They wouldn't win. Like that's the you know competing's the ultimate tradition in sports." And da da da. And I was like. Oh, man. Either we're so jaded or you're so jaded. But one of us, as far as Americans and Brits, like, we are not on the same page here. No, I mean, they're
0: not jaded. I mean, it's a certain level of naivete that's awesome. Seriously... A Tottenham Hotspur fan sounds like a Boise State fan. Like, what are you afraid of? Clemson's not afraid to play anybody. It's Georgia Tech that's afraid. It's the University of Kentucky that's afraid. Well, it's actually it's, even, Mr. Ainsworth, to a certain extent, Texas. Because Texas has Texas. been a kind of a fringe team where they can have these great years. And now all of a sudden, the last thing they want to do is go play Hawaii and get land based, well, right?
1: And Texas has been top three in money since, like... I started paying attention to money as like a (laughs) thing, right? Um, No, but I think the deal there is, is exactly what a school like Texas is. Texas paying Texas State to come play is a lose-lose situation for Texas. Texas wins, and it's like, of course you did. You're Texas. Texas loses, it and it's like, holy crap, you lost your Texas. Like, like, <laughs> like that is also a lose-lose, and I'm using them because I feel like I can speak for them, but there are schools like that in every one of these Power 5 conferences, right? Listen, that, and we
0: there's schools that paid and lost, right? Michigan paid Appalachian State and got beat. I would never understand why anyone pays North Dakota State to come play you. What? Right. You just schedule them dudes because those dudes will beat you. I will never forget what Kansas State They paid North Dakota State like half a million dollars to come play them. North Dakota State beat them by like four touchdowns. What are you doing? And I think
1: the other side of this too is we don't have to stick to the Power Five exactly as they are. Theoretically, if North Dakota State were to put in a bid, they could get added to what is currently the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten with 14 teams in it. Right? They could currently get added to... What's one more? Um, well,
0: they'll never be added though, because that's the deal with these, with the television piece, is that they're not a television market. This is why the Big Ten went and got Maryland. Maryland doesn't make any sense. Rutgers doesn't make any sense, except it's the D.C. television market and the New York television market where now you could put Big Ten games on, right? Like That's why you go get them, schools. So it'll never be North Dakota State, because it should be. It'll never be Boise State, no, but it uh, should and-
1: be if it's competitive balance. And I'm using them as examples, and maybe that's just locale is a bad example. What I'm really saying, though, is more so that the conferences would not have to be stagnant, right? You would not have to take the current construction of the Power Five and move them all in. Like, you could certainly drop a here, drop a there, and add in, add in, and those kinds of things, too, to, you know, pull up teams that are maybe dominating in the American, like SMU and Dallas, right? Like, you could pull in some team that's doing really, really well as of late in a good market, in a football town and pull, like, why not pull them all in? Because there's money, that's, it's a big private school, so it's not the same kind of money,
0: but it, there are certainly money there, right? I love how you're just sneaking in all your alma maters. Listen, shout, shout out Occidental College, shout out Berea College, because they'll never be involved in this conversation, but I feel like they deserve a shout out. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is, James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement?
1: Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis?
0: So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But... basically breaks down a Twitter beef that we were having this week the thesis reads the NBA G League Ignite will not exist in two years I say that to you Mr. Ainsworth how are you gonna grade that thesis statement I'm gonna sit at a C although I could
1: <laughs> I'm gonna sit at a C I'm gonna sit at a C I'm still thinking about it. I'm gonna sit at a
0: C no worries that's the least confident C ever I'm giving it an A I don't think that this I don't think that they're gonna be around in two years so very confident A from Mr friends, there obviously is an unofficial scorecard between Mr. Ainsworth and Mr. Cummings as to who wins these things. Mr. Ainsworth's lack of confidence in his C versus my very confident A. I'm feeling (laughs) Vegas has me as the favorite already. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, the uh, thesis statement reads... The NBA G League Ignite will not exist in two years. Normally when we go C, that means there's A reasons, F reasons. So talk me through some A reasons and F reasons as to why you settled at a C. Yeah,
1: and I I think the A reason here makes a lot of sense. The A reason, as I see it, is really, really strong. And so that's why I was at a C as opposed to a lower grade. And it frankly pulled up a really low grade up to a C, right? And (laughs) as I see it, and I'm sure you're, you're focusing on that and that's why you're an A, but I'll just go ahead and say the A reason that I saw, I should say, was more... This idea that you're not going to need an Ignite team in two years because potentially you're done with the one-and-done thing, right? There's (laughs) all these talks about when the one-and-done thing will be over. They were talking in 2019-20 about ending it then. I guess there's some thought that it may be over by the time the Bates kid gets... Gets to graduate. You gotta imagine that, as powerful as LeBron James is, there's a chance he throws it out there before his son graduates. Although I don't think <laughs> LeBron James Jr. is quite the same prospect. No, he's not a bad prospect. I, I, he's not a but, bad
0: prospect, but like you don't get the sense that in his class. He's the person that they're working. Mikey Williams, I believe, is in the same yeah. class. That's the and guy both, who you want, right?
1: And both in Southern California. I think the big thing with LeBron James Jr. is just that he needs to get to play in professional as soon as possible, just from a, a like, that's what the family's going to do perspective, right? So I sit here, though, and wonder, like, when will that happen? And that's, when I, that's what I see really killing the, the G League Ignite, is it, ta- it they no longer need that avenue, and they can start treating the G League as it stands, as a more traditional minor league akin to like the triple a double a system they don't quite have 30 teams yet so it didn't quite work out the same but the same way that the baseball uses the triple a double a single A, etc right i i read stuff online like stuff from april of last year when they pushed the, the table to talk for later talking about that this may not really come to fruition until the next collective bargaining agreement discussions in 2025 which makes me think like oh two years seems too short because two years from now is just the spring of 23. And if this guy is saying that, you know, that they won't really get into a deep dive on these conversations until the next CBA 2025 seems soon. There's also part of me in my head that says, no CBA is going to do this because it's going to be like <laughs> outside of that because you're never going to have players sit down at the table on their half of the CBA and say, yeah, bring in more competition for our spots. That's what we want, right?
0: <laughs> that was the whole deal as to why they changed it in the first place. Was this idea of vets saying, "Oh man, we're getting phased out because they're bringing in these high right. school kids and they're they're cheaper, right?" And it's it's the it's the classic labor argument, right? It's cheaper to get two new to the profession folks than it is to keep one person who's been around for a while, and so. Why not go ahead and get the two cheaper options, right? Woj is barely reliable, I would say. And he was saying, as of last April, the 18
1: months leading up to that, people were not wanting to sit down and talk about 2022 and 2023 as the starts for this. And so I think a lot of us see that as very natural starting points for this. But... I, I think he's got good information. He typically does. He knows the draft picks before silver. I think he knows <laughs> I, what he's talking about. I love it. You're like,
0: yeah, he typically is pretty good at this. You know, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, let me say this, uh, though, Mr. Ainsworth, because I don't think that Woj is in on these conversations with television folks. And I'm telling you, Mr. Ainsworth, there is no way ESPN, ABC, whoever has the NBA television contract wants to look at Zion Williams. I mean, Zion Williamson... Playing at Duke and only getting 25 opportunities to be on television versus him being in the NBA and having the localized television contract, so all 82 of his games will be on television. Like oh. there are people who are looking at that and saying, "We can't have that with Amani Bates." and Mikey Williams. We have to get these guys on television as much as possible. I agree. Possible.
1: No, I, and that's why I'm at a C, Shaka, right? That, I, I I agree. I think that that's why there is a push to get it earlier is the TV money says get it earlier. I think it's interesting that there was an experiment this year with the G League, both Ignite and this idea that they played that entire bubble season and it was televised through NBA. And the numbers, as far as you look at like things you have to pay a subscription for, are very strong. And, and so I think that there's indications there that just televising the G League would not be an awful route. I don't think it's a permanent solution like you're saying. I just think that the evidence is there that they could. I mean, it did as well as any other subscription sports service outside of like marquee name boxing, right? Or marquee name fighting, I should say. And so I think that's a good indicator that that may be the route it goes because as much as we want to talk about Bronny Jr. and Mikey Williams and Amani Bates, there are plenty of G League guys that like I liked watching Poku play, but when he was on the Oklahoma City Blue but that's not the same, right? <laughs> like, like, like it's, it's, I, I watched the Vipers play because I wanted to see who Kevin Porter Jr. and what he was all about now he's grown up. And I've loved watching him in the Rockets since he got called back up. But like, just because I wanted to watch KPJ and KJ Martin does not mean the average fan does, right? And so <laughs> I think that you're right on those marquee names and that the subscription service may offer a way to A, incentivize paying for something like an ESPN Plus. And B, it would incentivize this idea of like, Once you paid for ESPN Plus, like, I'm going to watch Mikey Williams and Brownie Jr., but am I going to sit around and watch all the games
0: all the time? No, of course not, but you're not because part of the deal with the television piece is the brand recognition, right? Like, the reason why Zion Williamson, like, could happen is the fact that he's at Duke. Maybe Zion Williamson, if he was playing for, you know, fill in the blank G League team, the Westchester Knicks or whatever, like, if he's on that squad, maybe he doesn't even blow up the same way. Right? Um, the brand recognition is a big piece of it. And I understand why CBS Sports would want to negotiate and keep these guys in college for a year. Because for them, where they have significant college right. contracts, like it's a big deal. But when you're talking the NBA piece, right? Okay, CBS Sports, you're, you're cool. People going to watch Kentucky anyway. Like, there's this opportunity to put these guys on television, market them internationally, sell shoes, sell jerseys, right? Like... The NBA, I believe, will look at this before the CBA is up and say, hey, listen, we have to make this change. It's just a matter of what do you guys want us to give on, right? And what we know is that Adam Silver's willing to give on certain things. You guys want different rules in the offseason? That's fine. You guys want whatever? We can we can make this work, but we got to get Mikey Williams. Like, that dude can't be doing them dunks for, and I mean, legit, he might be doing it for HBCU. Like, no one's going to see that, right? Like, we, we have to get—he has to get drafted,
1: well, right? it's not that—I think people would tune in to watch Mikey wherever he plays. Adam just wants to make sure they're tuning in to his dollars. No, absolutely. Listen, like, that's, I need— That's the deal.
0: I need them tuning in in Beijing to watch Mikey Williams because that's not going to happen. And, I mean, we already lost the Chinese television contract, right? So, like, there's all these pieces <laughs> that go into it, right, for the NBA. Um, I just feel the television money draw is too big for the NBA, especially considering the revenue that was lost due to COVID and the bubble situation, due to the whole situation in China and how those television contracts have played out. There's, there's too many lost revenue streams over the last couple of years. The NBA is going to push for this the same way that they pushed to start this season earlier. And did the players want to do it? No. But did they do it? Yes. And I, there's concessions that were made in order to make that happen the NBA the owners are going to come and say hey listen this Amani Bates kid might be the truth and we saw how LeBron helped the league coming in we saw how Kobe helped the league coming in we saw how Garnett helped the league coming in that's what this dude is so we have to make this happen right and whether he is or not is irrelevant. It's, we just have to believe that that's what he's going to be. We just have to believe well, that that's what Mikey Williams is going to be, and we have to make this happen as soon as possible. And of course, think, the the piece that comes once this happens, the G League Ignite and their purpose seems to be lost. It so it seems, seems to like be lost, get rid of it
1: right? then. And I I think the deal there is just how fast. does There are currently twenty eight G League teams. Every one of them, but the Ignite, is tied to a pro uh, NBA I say professional. They're all being paid. They're all professionals. They're all tied to <laughs> except for the G League Ignite tied to an NBA team, the G League Knight obviously being this interesting, eclectic, I'll say, combination. You've got one of my favorites in Bobby Brown. Like, Bobby Brown's (laughs) rocking a a little bit, but Bobby Brown is a cool, cool guy that's like so, so Cal. It's funny, but he was born in 1984, and not to date people born in the 80s, but he was playing (laughs) in the NBA well before uh, Dyshawn Nix, Jonathan Kamingo, or Jalen Green, three of the prospects on the G League Ignite, he was playing in the NBA before they were born, dude. (laughs) Like, like this is just a funny combination of things. And I think that... Jared Jack's in the same boat, I guess. He was born in 83. I I think that it's an interesting deal because if you look at... And this is, of course, reporting on the G League Ignite, so it's obviously going to make it all look super positive. Yeah, very rosy. Right. They got guys in the coaching staff that were prep to pro type guys they got guys on the roster that were prep to pros or one year in college type guys right they got guys you know there are a couple roster spots that are as a little bit older that maybe are trying to get back in the nba but it's five prospects and then guys that have experience doing this pro basketball thing and it they're pitching it as this much more of a mentor ship right and it's like bobby brown knows his day, and i'm just using his name because he's one of my favorites on the team listen
0: it's your prerogative you can do what you want to do that's a bobby brown joke for my old heads (laughs) they'll know that
1: joke (laughs) but bobby brown will sit here and like he knows his days in the nba are done right it's not that it's not about him getting back to nba basketball he's played some in china since he left and those kind of things this is about him working with frankly as a socal guy working with other SoCal guys like Jalen Green and saying, listen, young buck, here's how we're gonna do this, here's how you be a pro, here's how you manage your money, here's how you manage who you're talking to, right? Brian Shaw kind of working the same thing as the head coach. I I think that this is all very intentional. I also think it's worth pointing out that Sharif Abdulrahim, this was like his first thing as G League commissioner, and like this feels very much like his baby. Like like he is very, very protective of the G League Ignite. And so I wonder if there's even this weird thing where he's not wanting to let it go if they do let kids get into the NBA draft in 2023 as the first year, right? Say that's the first year and that's two years away from now. And he's like, but we'll take anyone who doesn't. Like, well, and like, like, he works with some kids that don't get drafted. I guess that's why I sit there as a person looking at the G League night and wonder, you say they're not gonna be around in two years. I wonder if that's just too short a timeline. They obviously do have an end date unlike other G League teams because of the nature of what they do. I just wonder if 2 years is too short because you're going to see several of these kids drafted
0: in the top 10 picks. Yeah, except the G League Ignite and their purpose. If all of a sudden the purpose starts shifting, you don't need that team. Like so, so the G League Ignite is very tied to this idea that the top high school prospects you don't have to go to college. You have an American option. You can come play for us. You can do the RJ Hampton thing, you can do the LaMelo ball thing, right? But you can also come play for us. This is the American option. And if the NBA draft is now the American option, it feels like the G League Ignite can go away in a couple of years because the purpose now shifts. And if the purpose shifts, you you, you might want to rebrand the whole team, right? Like rebrand, that's the thing. It's a marketing thing. So you can rebrand that whole team. You could say, hey, listen. Let's create a new system, like like you said. Guys who enter the NBA draft out of high school but don't get taken, this could be an option for you. You can call it something else. We could also even go out and recruit uh, foreign players who are sixteen, seventeen, who normally they would play for FC Barcelona or whatever. No, you can come play for us now. You know, you right. can play for Real Madrid or you can come over here. Here's an American option. You get used to being in the United States. Like this, and if you have a new purpose for the team, you can rebrand the whole thing. To me. The bigger issue is: Are is the NBA going to make the change in a couple of years? If the NBA makes the the change in a couple of years, it feels like you can drop this team, think about what you want to do, and bring it back rebranded in a couple of years because it's not it's actually not tied to any professional NBA team, right? Just like you said, so it feels like something you can easily drop and rebrand and bring back and talk to Sharif about how he wants to do that. It certainly is
1: the easiest drop because of the twenty 29- nine. G-League teams, it is the one not tied. And I think that the thing that works out there is you could almost take the coaching staff and throw them to one of the two teams that doesn't have a uh, G-League team and then make another one for the other one each have, then every NBA team has their own group. I don't know, as I see it played out though, I just, I wonder if that's a lot of change because the truth is for this to impact the summer of 23 or the G-League season of 23, 24, I feel like this has to happen in the next 18 months and it felt like in the last 18 months, pe- people on the inside, and I went back to the Woj article a second ago, were like, no, 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 this isn't really happening as fast as people.
0: Yeah, are I get that. But in the last 18 months, people didn't anticipate COVID and that loss of revenue. So that's the piece that's happened. And now the NBA has to live through that lost revenue, right? People didn't anticipate China and your boy Daryl Morey and the impact of that, right? And right, so now was, the, you have to was, think about that. You have to think about those lost revenue streams. The NBA now. Is going to be looking at the numbers and seeing, hey, where what revenue did we lose as compared to seasons where we didn't have the COVID impact, didn't have the China impact, and hey, how can we get that revenue back, right? Um, and it's it, it the idea is going to be get increased revenue in terms of television contracts. This is an opportunity to maybe think that through and to make a conscious decision that will impact what those television contract revenue is going to be. <laughs> Friends, that is another edition of FN Sports. Mr. Ainsworth, midweek, midrange, what are we going to be talking about this week? And if it's not basically only the New York Knicks, talk to <laughs> me about why you're buying
1: No, I love talking about the New York Knicks. I love talking about the <laughs> local kid, Julius Randle. I, I I really, they're a fun team to watch. Um, I'm not sure that they have, I, we talked about last week a little bit, so you want to go back, I'm not going to go on too much, but if you want to talk about last week's <laughs> episode, you go back and watch the midweek, midrange is a weekly show on Wednesday nights in which Myself and a few other people from the belly-up sports basketball team will sit around and talk about hoops. Uh, we talk about WNBA, the NBA, college basketball, March Madness, whatever's going on. Um, always fun, especially when there's a catfishing story like Vivian last week. That was a fun <laughs> one to dive in on that we still don't have a whole lot of answers to, so maybe we touch it on a little bit more this week. Um, but yeah, midweek, midrange, Wednesday night,
0: 9 o'clock Eastern on Twitter and YouTube, live on both. Don't be afraid to pull up. Mr. Ainsworth. The Yankee cheap shots are not appreciated by one member of your podcast. I just want you to know that we're going to stop this Yankee slander. We just won last night. Uh, Mr. Haynesworth, you want to go ahead and hit folks with your social, sir?
1: <laughs> yeah, you can hit me to laugh at the Yankees at Painsworth 512 <laughs> That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512, all one word on Twitter and Instagram. I also use the show's Twitter at FN Sports 2 that's at F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S, number two, all one word. I'll use dash P-A, Shaka use dash C-C, so you know which one of us you're talking to and which one of us is
0: giving you a detention. Shaka, we have Instagram too. Let me just say, y'all can keep laughing at the Yankees, but rooting at is gonna find y'all, dudes. Um, you can find me, <laughs> you can find me on uh, Twitter and on Instagram at Shaka Cummings at C H A K A C U M M I N G S. We have our Instagram for our podcast at F underscore N underscore Sports. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Another awesome podcast in the can. Please go out, like, subscribe, share, do all the wonderful things to help out our podcast. And please remember. When it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys.